Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Jason Day. This week, I had the opportunity to connect with Roger Lane. Roger has served local churches ministry organizations, denominations, and universities in leadership and strategy for raising funds for kingdom ministry. Roger was the vice president of development at North Central University, and he also served with financial solutions with the Assemblies of God denomination. He continues to mentor and coach pastors and has recently distilled his years of wisdom and experience into a helpful book entitled Funded, A Leader's Guide to Raising Money God's Way. Now, on this week's episode, Roger and I discuss how to avoid some of the common missteps that pastors make when raising funds for ministry initiatives. Roger shares the difference between stewardship and generosity and how to disciple your people in both of these areas. And we also talk about some helpful tips when it comes to communicating vision that are really helpful for ministry leaders in any context. So now, won't you please join me in my conversation with Roger Lane. Roger, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. Thank you, Jason. I've been looking forward to this, and uh, I'm excited to be able to chat with you and other leaders about uh, what we can do to help fund ministry. Yeah, you know, Roger, um, it is a new year, and um, as pastors and as ministry leaders, that often means um, thinking hard about budgeting, um, planning for different ministry initiatives, and, and really funding, as you mentioned, funding um, kingdom ministry. And for, for many, it's an ongoing challenge, right, to, to fund the ministries of the church, to think how, how are we going to step into all God's calling us to, and, and really how do we get the resources for that to happen. Now, Roger, I know you've been involved in effective, God-honoring fundraising for many, many years, you have uh, an incredible experience there in, in, in different ways, both in the church, with uh, universities and colleges, with different ministries. Roger, to kind of start a conversation, from your experience over the years, can you maybe talk to us a bit about how raising funds for ministry has changed somewhat over the years? You know, what, what have you seen over the years? Well, I think uh, for the most, Jason, it's been a, a in the past, it's been kind of a scary thing. And I don't know that the fear has necessarily left, uh, but I do believe that there have been a lot of new ideas. Uh, I think what's happened, as I've seen it, is that uh, the donor bases of church and parachurch organization is becoming more sophisticated in where they give their resources. Mm. They want to make sure that they're not pouring them down a black hole. They want to make sure that we know what we're doing, that we have a vision and we have a plan and a purpose for what we want to accomplish. So I think that's probably what I'm seeing is that the, the donor base and the giving bases of our of our organizations are becoming a little more sophisticated and uh, they want to know exactly that we know what we're doing. Yeah, no, that's good, Roger. It makes perfect sense because that sophistication uh, naturally, because things are so much more transparent today, right? I mean, you can go online and you can dig into different organizations or or ministries, and you can kind of see. Whereas, you know, in decades past, that information wasn't as readily available, right? I think I think there's a lot higher level of accountability these days mm -hmm. than there used to be, just because of what you said, Jason. I think that uh, 
you know, we can we we can we get reports. We find out what resources where they've gone and what they've done <laughs> or not done. Right. And so I think that happens a lot. And so I think that's a big item as well. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So Roger, as we're as we're thinking about um, ministries, as we're thinking about churches, and looking at how to raise funds, what what do you see as maybe kind of a gap that many pastors or ministry leaders are kind of missing? when it comes to really setting a good foundation for raising these funds and in kind of honoring God and honoring the donors, the people who are contributing? I think one of the, uh, one of the elements is that uh, people have it, uh, leaders, I'll put it that way, leaders have a tendency to get nervous when, it's, when they start talking about fundraising. And so that nervousness can tend to le- cause us to lean to our own understanding. And to really begin to think that we've got to take this on, we've got to make it happen, we're the ones that have to orchestrate everything, and we miss a big, uh, what I call the secret sauce, (laughs) which is, I think it's a prayer path where we really get engaged with God, we pray, we listen, we obey, and we watch God do a miracle in our living and our giving. And I think that so many times leaders just jump right into this thinking we got to raise a million dollars. Here we go. Hang on. Hang on for the right. Here we go. Where I really believe if if you look back in, in the Old Testament with Nehemiah and Moses, you find that they went to the Lord, they waited on God, they took time, and they received from God the vision that he had for their organizations and their projects. And so I think that's the key that probably uh, right now that I'm finding is something that really makes a difference. When we bathe everything we want to do in prayer, uh, I think it helps us with our planning. It helps us with our organizing. It helps us with with communications to our churches and making sure that they're really clear. Uh, that's another big item is the fact that so many times we under-communicate what's going on here. How do I do this? And what do you expect of me? And so I think by answering some of those questions for people, I think we can really help ourselves and our organizations moving forward with this prayer path. Yeah, Roger, it's, it's interesting that you, you mentioned those two things. One, you know, praying and, and bathing it in prayer, and then also kind of the, the issue of um, clarity that is sometimes missing. And it seems like those two are, are, are very interconnected, right? So as we spend time in prayer, then the vision um, becomes kind of more clear, more concrete, and then we can better communicate that. Absolutely. Um, you, I, I always said you can't raise money for a moving target. Mm-hmm. And so we have got to be really clear and very focused. And we've got to know exactly where we're going with this project and how it's going to impact you know, how it's going to impact eternity, how it's going to impact ministry, how it's going to impact our community, and then last of all, how it's going to impact our church as we become faithful and being good stewards and, you know, practicing, you know, great, great strides in generosity. Roger, as you're um, coaching and consulting with different pastors and ministry leaders, you talk about this idea of prayer. What What's kind of that practical kind of initial steps that you encourage them to kind of, you know, engage in when it comes to this prayer foundation? I uh, I encourage leaders to pull back, you know, and give it a couple of weeks to a month uh, to just pray and wait and listen and pray and wait and listen until you feel that you have a clear, a clear communication from the Holy Spirit that he's speaking to your heart that you know, that you know, that you know, 
and that you're clear with this project. And I think then, you know, then you want to try it out on somebody you trust. Maybe you want to go to your spouse and just say, here's what I feel the Lord is telling me. And then from there to another confidant, maybe a board person or then your whole board. But I think that uh, that would be kind of the progression that I would suggest we go through. When, whenever it comes to like kind of transferring ownership of that vision, what are some some ideas or some thoughts that you have that you seem to be effective? You know, what's coming from, you know, I'm off at a prayer retreat. I'm really digging in, seeking God. I feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking. Um, I begin, as you said, to to talk to some of, you know, the um, kind of spiritual elders, board members, leaders in the church. What does that transfer of ownership for that vision begin to look like um, from me as as kind of the lead pastor to other ministry leaders, and then even all the way down to the congregation. Yeah, I really believe that, uh, Jason, it's it's really wise that when you've received a vision from the Lord and you bring that elder board or that deacon board together, that you just say, this is what I feel God is telling me that, you know, I'm, I'm hearing from his voice, his spirit is causing me to feel this way. And to talk about that and to share about it and to talk about how it ties together, not only with the mission of who we are, but the vision of who we are. And then just to send them back to the Lord and just say, would you please go back for two or three days? And would you would you pray with me? Would you fast with me? And let's agree together that we're going to hear from God before we turn a wheel. Before we move forward with this, I want to I want to make sure we're all on the same page. And then we find that we bring that leader leadership group together and then they really show up that they there's there's a strength in the numbers and the council, the godly council we have. When we have unanimity and we're all together, it really makes a great statement in leading the initiative with the congregation. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. And as you transfer that to the congregation, are there particular ways that um, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, different churches and different um, pastors have kind of different cultures and different kind of leadership styles or the churches themselves have, you know, different cultures and personalities? Are there some some kind of best practices that are transferable across, you know, a variety of contexts and personalities that you would kind of recommend, like these are some foundational things when you're actually casting the vision and, you know, speaking into the hearts of the people that are gathered mm-hmm. at the church or the ministry organization. Um, are there some, you know, kind of, you know, solid things that you'd say, regardless of context, these are some things that you really want to focus in on? I think it's uh, I think it's important when we talk about communicating and communications in general, I think it's really important that we have a real strong uh, we have a video communication, and we also have publication communication. And I think it's it's very important for us to illustrate the visuals of what we're trying to accomplish anytime that we can. For instance, if you want to build a new building, show the people the the floor plan. Get a get a a, a video of a of a walk a video walkthrough of what this looks like and help them to begin to imagine the dream and what it might look like and how it's going to serve the church and the congregation. So I think those are pieces. When we talk about video uh, anymore, it's amazing how it can assist you with telling story, telling your stories and communicating with people, uh, the, the virtual tours, the walkthroughs, as well as then to be able to sit down and having live testimonials from individuals that can talk about the faithfulness of God 
and how they learned their journey of maybe not being a tither to becoming a tither to a giver to over and above giving. But and then the biggest part is God's provision and how God has always taken care of us and giving glory to God for what he's done. I think a preaching as well is important when we're we're communicating with the, the congregational audience. And that is to make sure that we are we're we're providing good history about how God through scriptures has provided for his people. And there's a lot of biblical stories, and I've put those in my book, Funded, that uh, really help to illustrate that. But I think really helping the people to catch that. One of the other elements I love to do is is what we call a pie meeting. It stands for Pastors Information Exchange. And yes, we do have pie. Uh, you got to <laughs> have pie. You know. In my church, uh, there's no meeting unless we're eating. You know, that's one of the stories. So I think that's, uh, but what we call them is pie meetings, and those are pastors' information exchange meetings where we take the congregation and we invite them to come to a meeting with the pastor and a board member or elder, and they roll out the project, and it allows them to have a forum to not only present the project, but to also let them ask questions. Now, what happens is those are groups of anywhere from 15 to 25 people. Uh, if they get too much larger than that, the conversation and the dialogue kind of bogs down a little bit and or has a hard time getting going. But uh, we want them to come together, and so we then ask them to come together. We, we present the overview. We give them the, uh, the pastor's heart and passion and vision for what we're doing and why we're doing it and how he feels the Lord has spoken in, in his leadership role. And then as we progress on through that, we, we pray together. We ask the pastor would call them to pray at that particular time. Would you pray with me that God would help us to realize this vision and that we would all do our part? And then we have a, a, a small card that we hand out. It has five prayer requests on it. Number one, pray for myself that I'll hear from God and what he would have me to do financially for this initiative. Number two, I pray for my church that we will hear from God and do as God directs us to do, and we would obey his voice in what we should be doing financially. Number three, to pray for the leaders of our church as they lead us and guide us on this journey. Number four, pray for those that are helping to organize either construction, building, contracting, or whatever it be. Help them to be efficient, on time, and that uh, we would be able to have safety for their lives as well. And then the last one probably is the most important one of all, Jason. Let's all pray for those who are yet to come and to find faith in Jesus Christ. That, to me, is the one that really catches the hearts. You know, somebody made an investment for you to find your way to faith. Mm -hmm. Now it's our turn to help others find their way. I, I like that. I like that, uh, the pie meeting and, and those prayer cards because it keeps it kind of in front of in front of your people on an ongoing basis and encourages them, invites them to make it a spiritual practice and not just, you know, some sort of campaign or conversation yeah. that we're having, right? That's but right. Let me ask you this, Roger. Um uh, back to the illustrative visuals, kind of the storytelling, because I think that's so important, especially in our day and age. I mean, so many things are communicated via story, um, you know, just in the marketplace, wherever you are. I mean, that's that's how, mm -hmm. how things kind of hit our heart, right? Um, right. And, and I can understand, you know, some ways, and it's almost kind of easier if, uh, you know, you're raising funds for, let's say, like a a building, like a, a new church building or, you know, a community center, you know, or whatever that might be, you know, something more tangible. But what are some ways that you've seen churches 
kind of doing storytelling around ministry projects or ministry initiatives that aren't quite as tangible, more, you know, kind of life on life ministry, you know, those types of initiatives and projects. Cause we see that more and more in churches. I mean, there's still always kind of building going on, but mm-hmm. you know, there has been a, a shift in, in many ways um, yes. to more kind of life on life uh, ministry initiatives. So have you seen some things that have been particularly, you know, helpful or effective? I was just visiting with a board last night from a congregation that uh, are carrying a a very large mortgage. Uh, they're handling it, but they really want to be mortgage-free. And so when you start trying to raise money for uh, a debt or for a mortgage like that, it's like raising money for a dead horse. It's really, <laughs> really hard to do. Right. And so what we try to do is encourage people to be realistic, to spread that debt reduction out, like we're going to spread this one out over seven years, realistically, we're going to be paying off, you know, $275,000 a year over six and a half to seven years. And to where we don't shut down the operation of the church while we're trying to get out of debt. And so I think that's the key is the fact that we want to have some projects that really have sizzle with them. I, sizzle is something that is, will excite people, people that can put, they can see change, they can see things happen with it. And uh, it's community-minded. It can be missions globally or locally. It can be something to updates on the present facility that can make a difference that people can see and they can experience. Those are things, projects that really help to provide a creative way. And so we put together a business plan to talk about how we're going to do this, what it's going to look like, and that it's accepting to everybody and it's and it's doable. We want to create a win. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. What what have you seen as effective like if a church is looking at saying they want to help fund some, you know, global ministry initiatives or they want to help fund, you know, some things that uh, deal with homelessness in the community or, you know, some some of those types of ministry initiatives. Have you seen um, churches rallying around those and, and putting together some effective plans to help in those types of ministries? Absolutely. Uh, I think that's anytime you can you can provide those kind of programs. I think there will always you know, we always say that money follows vision. And when you have a vision for the community, uh, a vision for the world, uh you know, neighborhoods and even on those types of projects, I think those are just exciting. And I think that people really can rise to the occasion, can feel just great about that. Uh, I was just involved in a program this last week, and it was called The Best Christmas Ever. And we raise funds for people that are going through tragedies. Uh, the one we went to uh, that we helped fund was was a, a lady's husband was up putting Christmas lights on his house and fell off landed on the driveway below and was killed instantly. Oh my. And so we provided, we went in and provided love and generosity to the family. And so I think more and more, we're seeing more of those kinds of projects. They don't have to be grandiose to be great, but I think that anything that will touch on the heartstrings of our people, we want to push them in that direction. Yeah, that, that's good. That, that's excellent. Uh, Roger, one of the things that you um, address in your book, Funded, is this idea, this difference between stewardship and generosity. And I was wondering if you could kind of just talk us through that a little bit in, in how that, you know, how we as pastors and ministry leaders can help 
um, maybe better clarify the difference between stewardship and generosity and lead our people into generosity? I think that uh, stewardship uh, versus generosity looks like this. Number one, stewardship is the management of another's resources. And so all that we have has been given to us by God. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. And so we recognize his lordship over who we are and all that we have. And everything we give has come from his hand, we read in Chronicles. So that's a part of it. So stewardship is the management of resources that God places within our hands. Generosity, on the other side, is if stewardship hasn't taken place, there may not be resources for us to be generous. You know, in Corinthians, we read the scriptures that talk so much about the idea that uh you know, I was I was just looking at First Chronicles 29, where it says, "Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we only have given what comes from your hand." It's those kinds of things that <clears throat> scriptures that really help us to to view that. I like the scripture in Second Corinthians 9, 10, and 11. It says, "He who supplies seed to the sower." And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through this, us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I think that generosity is an attitude of the heart. I think that stewardship is an attitude of the mind and the management of it that helps us to move forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that differentiation. Whenever you are leading a, a fundraising initiative, you know, how, how do you address stewardship and generosity, you know, kind of in tandem? I've had uh, individuals, you know, we, we, we try to encourage congregations to, uh, to prepare themselves for a stewardship event or a funding initiative. And, you know, we, we want to let them know that this is coming. We don't want to spring it on anybody. So we try to make sure that they're aware that it's coming. But I think that stewardship, if somebody says that, you know, pastor, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to tithe or do you want me to give to this funding initiative or this campaign? And so we really have an opportunity to go back and to encourage people that you need to be faithful in your giving of your tithe and, and your offering first, or your giving to your congregation or whatever that might be. And so we try to help avoid slippage where people will take, you know, you have a funding initiative and it's it's a big old project and everybody gets excited about it and they move their regular fund giving over to that. And it really, you know, really causes a, a shortfall for your, your general operational fund. So I think those are pieces that are very important. And we talk to people about this is over and above giving, over your general giving, your tithes, your offerings, or missions giving. Yeah, that's that, that's good, because the one thing you don't want to have is have a big initiative, and then um, your regular funding that just keeps everything rolling at the church dwindles, and, and the money's being now earmarked for this initiative, and then you're, you're you're in a situation where you know it can be very challenging. It is, it is, and it's caused a lot of anguish for a lot of leaders. And uh, when you're a leader, one of the biggest things you we need to make sure that you get help and encouragement that can help you to move forward. You need to be able to sleep at night, and mm -hmm. to be in short on budget, I think is is a real travesty, and I, I really feel feel bad for that. My father, who had an eighth grade education. Uh, 
I asked him how he became a, a bit successful businessman. And he said, you know, I went to school on other people. I, uh, I only had an eighth grade education, but he said, I found when I asked others for help, they were always there for me. So I think as leaders, make sure you ask others who can help you. There's people who have been down this road before that can help to encourage you and guide you and and to where you can sleep at night. You shouldn't have to be going through restlessness and uh, not being able to sleep at night because of being underfunded. Yeah, definitely. And Roger, that, that kind of leads me to another question that I have here is when it comes to these ministry initiatives, most of us are probably familiar with there, there are organizations that focus on you know capital campaigns and those types of things. There are different resources, as, as you said, what is your, from your experience, and I know you do yourself do, uh, you know, a lot of coaching and consulting, but from from your experience, what recommendations do you have for pastors who are entering into this, um, you know, maybe for the first time, do they need to go out and connect with a, you know, a big uh, capital campaign company? Do they, you know, where where do they find help? How much help is, is too much? How much help isn't enough? You know, where, where do you see that? Well, I think that uh, as as one who's been in this business and ministry for a long time, I have seen occasions when uh, there were leaders that had, had people and teams around them that were very capable uh, of being able to fund their own initiatives and to, to lead them. And so I've seen that happen before. Uh, I think the big thing is that you want to make sure you have a piece that uh, I have a lot of young leaders that will come to me and they said, I'm scared to death. I'm afraid I'm going to fail. I'm afraid I'm going to turn my people off. I'm afraid they're going to leave the church. Uh, I'm af- I've never done this before. I'm afraid the architect's going to rip me off. I don't know anything about construction. So I think the Bible the Bible's really clear where it says in a multitude of counsel, there's wisdom. And so being able to f- go to do your homework and make sure you ask a lot of questions. Go to other seasoned leaders, uh, pastors or leaders around you that have gone through this journey and inquire about how did you do that? How did you get from point A to point B? I think sometimes it's good to be able to enlist a, a fundraising consulting company to help. I mean, I used to do that for a living and a ministry. And I know there were times that it was just amazing how we were able to take somebody and after we did the first one with them, they were able to manage and to move forward. And so that's kind of always been my 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 idea is the fact that you should probably have somebody help you with your first one. Right. And uh, there's then probably after that you can have limited help and or maybe you can do it yourself. I've had churches where I've done the first one for them. They did the second one and they had me back and they said, we'll never do one alone again. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's uh, it, there, there's just it's good to have a third voice. Uh, sometimes it's speaking to the leaders and that's helping to keep everybody accountable. And obviously, anytime there's a fundraising initiative, everybody at the board or the people just say, Pastor, what are you going to do about this? <laughs> and it winds up, he's trying to pastor the church, he's trying to feed the sheep, and now he's got this on his tray as well. And if he has no experience, it can really, really be difficult. Yeah, that's that's a great point, actually. Um, and and- a great resource is the book that you've kind of, you've kind of distilled your years of of um, wisdom and experience into this book funded a leader's guide to raising money God's way and and what I kind of uh, really appreciate about the book is that it's not just kind of theoretical I mean you I mean you have the kind of foundational underpinnings but it it's it's very very practical I mean you you provide 
you know, different kind of charts and, you know, bulleted lists as to how you can kind of approach um, walking through a ministry initiative that isn't just about raising money, but it's about developing disciples um, in right. their stewardship and generosity, which I think is super key um, because uh, I, I don't know any pastors who, you know, felt called to come into ministry just to raise some money, right? That's right. That's right. Um, I used to work at North Central University, and uh, it was a Bible college when I was there. But so many ministers go through training, and this is one thing uh, I would hear in the field all the time. Nobody taught me how to do a funeral. Nobody showed me how to do a wedding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, they talked about it in theory, but they never really coached us about what it really, how you get it done, you know. Right. And fundraising is the same type of a story. I mean, it's not something that is taught, and uh, most leaders come out of school or Bible college or seminary wondering what that's about. And so most of the time I get calls and most leaders are pretty frightened <laughs> and fearful about uh, taking these steps on alone. And so I certainly understand that. Yeah, Roger, um, uh, we're getting ready to kind of wrap up our time. So I was just wondering, is there anything else kind of on your mind or heart, uh, maybe something we haven't touched on, that um, you'd like to share with the pastors, ministry leaders that are that are listening in today? I think the uh, back to the, the book funded, uh, I, I, I in there, I, I make an offer that, Anything I can do to help somebody to be a listening post, I've retired, and uh, my wife says, that's not true. Why do you say that? Uh, Because I still want to stay active, and I want to keep giving my experience to those that need it. So I can help as a friend. I can help as an advisor. And there's those I'll even help coach. And so, uh, but I really want to encourage people that don't suffer alone with this, uh, help, get some help that can come alongside of you that can help you and and move you forward. Uh, what we've done here is something for pastors, for leaders, and for missionaries to help them to resource the, the ministries that God has, has called us to. And I think of J. Hudson Taylor that says, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. And so uh, the church is a living organism. It will always take funding. It will always need to be supported. And so I think we need to get good at it because it's going to be something that will be with us all the way through uh, our lives. Excellent, Roger. And if people do want to, um, one, get the book, or two, just connect with you, and maybe maybe they're listening to this this podcast and um, they have some questions and they'd love to bounce them off of someone who, who has that wisdom, um, what are some ways they can get in touch with you, connect with you, or get the book? You can go to my webpage, which is called rogerlanecoaching.com. And uh, rogerlanecoaching.com. And I would be happy to uh, entertain a phone call. We can chat, talk about some possible direction for you. I would love to be able to come alongside. The book can be picked up at uh, at Amazon. Uh, it's funded, A Leader's uh, Guide to Raising Money God's Way. And so that's going to be available as well. And so get pick up the tool. I encourage pastors to get a copy, read it through, and then probably the next step is you're going to want to get extra copies for your board, get them on the same page with you, and begin to move forward together. Excellent. And we'll have links to your website, Roger, and also to the book in the show notes for our listeners. So mm-hmm. I just want to thank you again for for making the time. Thank you for sharing your, your wisdom 
um, with pastors and ministry leaders. I, I appreciate your heart and uh, just making the time to be with us today. Jason, thank you so much for all you and church leaders do. I mean, you're making a, a, an incredible impact in the world. And so thank you for all you do. And uh, God bless you, my friend. God bless you as well. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well, and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.